Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle. Good afternoon, and welcome to Food Chat. Food Chat is where we talk about everything that is food-related. Brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. Today, I'm your host, Chef Jackson Lamb. We're normally joined by Greg Bloom, but he's out doing food stuff today, of all things. So, uh, it's the holidays. Uh, there's a lot of food being uh, generated uh, in the markets in uh, Denver, and uh, it's a great season. Hey, today we've got a great special guest lined up. Um, he brings... Uh, to the show a perspective that we haven't seen before uh, you know in the past we've had cheesemakers we've had dairy farmers we've had uh, beef producers people that run feedlots um, but today I've got a great guest uh, coming in his name is Scott Jones and so uh, we'll get him on the line shortly and uh, we'll see what he's got to say about the dairy industry in Denver and I was in the dairy industry for a number of years. In fact, Scott and I worked together. So as a result, um, I think we'll have a, a fun and exciting show. So anyway, with, with that, a few other housekeeping issues with uh, Food Chat. Um, again, RanchFreshMeats.com is our major sponsor. Go to the website, RanchFreshMeats.com, and take a look at the product offerings that we've got. You know, we've got pork, we've got beef, we've got chicken, we've got halibut, and we've got something for you for the holidays coming up. So please check out our website. So with that, I'll take the first caller from Denver higher on the air. Scott Jones, welcome. Well, Jackson, after 35 years, this was bound to happen, right? <laughs> Scott, I thought it was going to be you at the microphone. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, I guess I, I'm on the other end. Well, that's I'm, quite all right. But uh, I'll tell you what, Scott, uh, again, with Food Chat, we, we really peel away several layers of what goes on in the food industry. And a lot of the people that we've talked to in the past, they've been on the manufacturing side. It's the beef producers. It's the pork producers, the cheese producers. It's the dairy farmers down at the organic dairies in New Mexico. But you're in a unique position because you have an element of customer service where you're dealing with the raw product and then getting it to the people that consume it. So, anyway, with that, welcome to the show, Scott. Um, Thank you. you. Scott, before we get started, do you want to just give a little background as to your your history? You know, we both came from the dairy industry, but in different ways. Yeah, well, of course, I first met you. I was uh, you were my customer, and I was your sales rep um, quite some time ago when in, uh, when you were in that business. Um, I've been uh, I, I started delivering milk um, on a truck to get through college, and never thought I'd end up in the dairy business, but I did after that, anyways. And so I've got about thirty five years, I guess, or more in this business, and. Um, I actually enjoyed every bit of it. And, you know, you touched on something a minute ago. Um, we are very vertical. I mean, we 
we we buy our milk from local farmers and then uh, basically get it all the way to the grocery store shelf or to the porch box to the uh, home delivery customers. So that's about as farm to table as you can get. So this the verticalness of this business that uh, that uh, that makes it interesting because there's there's always one part of it that depends on the the next step and the next step and the next step. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it it keeps us busy, I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know, Scott, I can remember way back in the day when the kids were small and we would get milk delivered. And so, uh, and Royal Crest seemed to be the only game in town. And I, you know, they're their whole milk was like half and half. Their 2% was was like whole milk. It was just rich and thick. I loved it. But back in the day, it was only milk products. So now all of a sudden, you've got a little bit more of a diverse uh, product line there. Well, yeah, we've had to adapt um, like most businesses have. And obviously, the food industry has adapted a lot. And I know you guys probably talk about that all the time uh, on this show. But uh, you know, you remember the days when, um, when you grew up with uh, a bigger family, and as as I did, and you know, the first thing that happened in the morning is everybody get a big glass of milk, or if you didn't get a glass of milk on the breakfast table, you got a bowl of cereal, and those habits have kind of, those traditions have kind of gone by the wayside compared to where they were two generations ago. So, per capita consumption of milk. You know, it's, it's been pretty level, but the dairy industry is, is healthy because uh, there's a lot of diverse products out there, and and, and a lot of uh, products used for ingredients. And I mean, we sell an amazing on the wholesale side, an amazing amount of buttermilk and things like that, and heavy cream, and of course, you know, cheeses, which we don't do the hard cheeses, but you know, are all used in preparation for for meals. So that's you know, that's what why we've had to have a diverse. Um, product line is to stay relevant uh, on the wholesale side and then certainly on the home delivery side we, we of course we sell a lot of milk a lot of gallons of milk but uh, we've had to expand our product line to uh, uh, all kinds of stuff uh, plant-based um, plant-based products like oat milk and uh, almond milk that stuff um, we sell cold brew coffee uh, we buy we sell different kinds of breads we buy from local bakery like city bakery and we buy, uh, we we sell um, dips, cheddar cheese dip and Parmesan Asiago dip from Blue Moose of Boulder. Uh, we sell bagels from Moe's Bagels, uh, Polidori sausage, um, uh, Raglitas tortillas, River Bear meats, Talbot Farms apple cider. I mean, Balmer's cheesecake. So, and and the common thread with a lot of these companies, vendors of ours, products that we buy for resale. Um, other than the milk products that we make ourselves, um, and these are all local um, local operations, family-run operations, and in most cases, we deal right with the owner of the company. So uh, it adds a good local flavor to what we do. And some of these items are, tend to be a little hard to get too because they're not they're not um, widely um, sold in the in the major grocery stores. So. Uh, so uh, there's a uniqueness to those products as well. Very nice. You know, Scott, how do they get all of that stuff in that little box on the front porch? <laughs> <laughs> well, like we'll sell uh, hams and prime rib uh, in a couple weeks for Christmas. It's, what's the most unusual item you've ever offered? Mm, that's a 
good one. But prime um, rib, I would imagine that's really off the charts. But yeah, uh, um, yeah, they pre-order them and we deliver them all in like uh, you know in one week just uh, to get them out to the people. But that's uh, that's one of the more unusual ones. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, we do um, Palisade peaches every year, and um, that lasts about six weeks, and that's a huge hit. Those don't fit in the box. Those usually go on top of the box. Um, <laughs> Good. And then the and hams, we'll, we'll do a holiday ham this year, and that will be in a separate, well, of course, it's wrapped in a foil and then in a separate bag, and that'll set usually on top of the box. And um, So, yeah, you're right. Uh, sometimes that's a problem. Some people have two boxes. Yeah. Bigger families. So, sure. So, yeah, it's... Um, and, you know, you touched on that the fact that this is a kind of business that, you know, this is the way everybody got their milk 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. Um, we are unique. We're probably one of the biggest home delivery companies in the country. I think in terms of number of customers, we probably are. But there's an outfit out of Seattle, outfit out of Chicago, and a few other major cities that are similar to us. Um, but, yeah, it's um, not available in every city. Yeah. You know, I, one of the more unusual things about Royal Crest, man, you're, you are in the middle of town, Pennsylvania and Alameda. Oh, man, that's from there. You can be anywhere in 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, it, the dairy used to be here. We do have a, a warehouse here, though, uh, which is great. Very centrally located for uh, and we run about four, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 40 trucks out of here. Um, home delivery, and then we have about 20 trucks we run out of our Longmont branch, which is also where the dairy is located, and then we run about 20 trucks, uh, this is home delivery I'm talking about, out of the Colorado Springs branch. So we got the front range pretty much covered. But yeah, it's unusual, the the city that's built around, I mean, this dairy has been here since the um, mid-20s, and um, you know, the, the, the landscape around here has changed quite a bit um, with the uh, you know, we're in the Wash Park area, basically, and uh, and here's a here's a almost a hundred year old building, well, ninety five year old building sitting right in the middle of it, uh, distributing milk. Well, the thing is, talk about a local product; it doesn't get more local than that, does it? No, I mean, and uh, we have uh, four family farms that we buy from, uh, and they're all in Weld County, which is where um, our dairy sits, and so they're they're close by. Um, and you know, the the thing that the dairy business has never done a good job, and Royal Crest actually even takes it a step higher, is the sustainability aspect because uh, we deliver our milk in um, well in milk crates, but then we empty the milk crate, put the product in the in the bo- on the porch box, which stays there. That that that's obviously um, reusable, and then the milk uh, we return the milk crates. And then when they're done with the milk, those are reusable bottles. Uh, they're plastic, but we have a, a machine that, that cleans them after every usage. So they put the bottles back in the box. So our guy picks up the bottle, takes it back, takes it back to the dairy. So we don't leave a lot behind. Um, it was, you know, some of the food delivery companies, sometimes that's a challenge for those, those types of companies because they don't always have the ability to, to have reusable. Just about every, everything we have is reusable or recyclable. That's great. You know, the, um, you know, here at Food Chat, we, you know, we talk to the beef people and the pork people and the chicken people, vegetables and, and uh, fruit. But these are products that have a, they can sit on the shelf for a couple of weeks, you know. 
you know, you take a look at beef, and we, we've been talking about aging beef, where it's going to be aged for six or eight weeks. But, you know, what I learned in the dairy industry, we don't have that kind of time. Um, the clock is ticking once that product is homogenized. Yep. Yeah. Once, yeah, once it goes into the bottle... Uh, we've got, uh, it needs to be consumed within three weeks. And um, and that's better than it used to be because with technology and everything, we've been able to get more shelf life out of, out of dairy products just through modern equipment and whatnot. But, yeah, it, uh, we have to turn that warehouse twice a week. Yeah. Um, and, and then, like you said, the... Uh, the timer starts, and it's a, it's a race to the finish. But um, the, the clock is ticking. That's right. <laughs> we, yeah, we've uh, but we've, the industry's built around that that um, challenge, and so uh, we we meet the challenge for sure. But uh, yeah, inventory control very important. And the other thing too is is we can't shut the milk off, so we can't tell the farmer that we don't need any milk this week. We, we made a whole bunch because he says you're getting the milk. <laughs> <laughs> You That's true. Because because I can't turn these things off. and uh, I understand. Yeah. You know, Scott, earlier I used a six-syllable word. I don't want to confuse our listening audience, but the word was homogenization. So can you briefly touch base on pasteurization, homogenization, and, and what those processes are? Well, pasteurization goes back to a couple centuries ago, Louis Pasteur uh, invented it it's to make uh, milk a safer product. Uh, so it's basically what the pasteurization process is, is milk is heated up. We heat, uh, we're a, what's called an HTST plant, just means that we don't do the extended shelf life stuff, uh, which is a whole different process. But what we do is we heat our milk up to 100 and approximately 176 degrees for 30 seconds, this is after the raw milk comes in to the tanker and, and then it goes into the pre, pre-pasteurization tank. And then when it goes into the pasteurizer, it goes from approximately 40 degrees Fahrenheit to 176 degrees Fahrenheit, back down to about 40 degrees Fahrenheit, all within a 30-second period. What that, that heat does is it kills the, the dangerous bacteria that's in milk. So that's why um, the, you know, the dairy industry is a... It's a, considered a safe product. Back in the day, like the first dairy that the Miller family started uh, prior to Royal Crest was called Miller's Sanitary Dairy. And the word sanitary was um, used a lot back in the 1800s because they wanted to give people the impression, you know, that, that their product's safe. Homogenization is a newer process. When I say newer, probably in the last 100 years or so, but because milk used to come and it would be separated, and people accepted that. The, um, if you think of a glass bottle from like back in the 40s or 50s when they delivered in glass, the top half had cream on it, and that was if the cream would be used for, for whatever, or they just shook it up. But it, the milk would have a tendency to separate, but there was nothing wrong with it. What the homogenization process does is it forces through pressure the milk through a tiny set of, uh, screens, if you will, and, and what those screens do is is they pulverize the milk and, and basically blend it very tightly so that it won't separate. Eventually, even homogenized milk will separate, but by the time it does, it's past its shelf life, so it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be drinkable. But that's the two processes. One's a heating process. 
for the safety, you know, for, for to, to kill the bac- bacteria and to, and to give it, um, you know, a longer shelf life. And then homogenization is just to keep it from separating um, in the container. Sure. And then with all of this technology, we still have only three weeks to move that product out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. But when I started in the business 30 years ago, we had 14 days. So, so we've, made, we've, made some, we've covered some ground. That's good. Hey, yeah. so anyway, on you know, you, you kind of really gave us a great list of uh, the non-dairy products that you're carrying. Rockalita's tortillas, River Bear meats. Well, you can make a whole meal right there. You know, yeah. um, let you know. Let's review the, the the fluid milks that you have. Um, I would imagine cottage cheese is in there. Sour cream is in there. Um, and I've been out of the business so long. So, so what are the hot items right now? Well, um, we, well, we, we do, uh, of course, you know, the whole, the 2%, we have a one and a half percent, which uh, has been around this dairy forever. Um, it's popular. It's got some added solids to it, uh, a little higher in protein. And then we've got a 1%. We have a skim. And then we also make a fresh lactose-free milk. And it's the only fresh lactose-free milk available in Colorado, uh, just quite simply because most of the national brands have kind of taken over that category. So you've got the big major brands like Lactate and some others that have the ultra-pasteurized. So, you know, they, they, they ultra-pasteurization, really all that means is you can get like a 45-day shelf life of a milk product, but you have to heat it to, more, to a much higher temperature um, to be able to get that kind of shelf life. Yeah. And in order to do that, you, you tend to, to um, it, it, it can deplete some of the, some of the um, well, it, it kills more bacteria is, is the best way to put it. Sure. And um, so, um, but we, we, we do a fresh lactose-free, which is a really good product, um, available in some stores, and then, of course, available at your porch if you so desire. Very good. The... Um you know, down at REI, we see all of those beverages in aseptic packaging. You know, uh, orange juice has a shelf life of six months. Ooh. And that's even a higher, that's one step above. Uh, <laughs> they actually sterilize the carton. Yeah, you know, they, uh, I, I would imagine they do. But, um, but again, when you think about it, uh, there's an entire market out there for those people that are into the you know, the outdoor activities where, hey, I'm heading into the mountains for 10 days and I want to have milk with my uh, coffee, you know? And, and the beauty of the aseptic um, is that, uh, you know, it doesn't even need refrigeration. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there, like you said, it's, it's more of a logistics uh, marketplace type item. It's, uh, it's probably not the kind of milk you want in a, you know, you want a, a tall glass of uh, cold, fresh milk right out of the fridge to eat with that uh, donut or a cinnamon roll or, or, or whatever, um, because it, it will have, a, of course, a fresher taste. But, uh, you know, different products for, for different uses out there, I guess. Very good. You know, Scott, we sell some of those, too, uh, resell. Sure. So, Scott, you've been around the world a couple of times. The, you know, what our dairy program here in the United States is, is rather robust. And I, I think when we go to other countries, France, Italy, Spain, we're primarily dealing with aseptic packaging milk. It's not fresh. It's not what we serve here. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, 
I think it's just that here in the U.S. We, we're just um, have an incredible supply chain, and uh, and of course the agricultural business is very you know has always been very strong in the United States, um, and um, and of course the industries have just been built around that. I think uh, you know generations and generations are so used to the fresh products that uh, uh, I think it's just our ability to get products. From point A to point B is the reason we we seem to do a better job at that. Because I do agree with you. Um, I've been over to Europe and you know been down Mexico and different places where the aseptic packaging is much you know much more popular. Yeah. Uh, but I just have to attribute it to uh, to our ability, our supply chain ability. I, I truly believe that's a big part of it. And, and you know we have a lot of production too. Sure, I totally agree with the supply chain. And uh, and again. Uh, the clock is ticking, that's for sure. You know, yes. uh, you know, aside from supply chain, and, you know, we keep hearing that the prices are going up and everything, and it's not necessarily dairy-related, but I'm very curious how many things are not making it to the marketplace that are rotting and, and, and decomposing, you know, whether it's fruits or vegetables or whatever. Yeah, um, I can't. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Hey, I so really speak to that, but um, too much, but... Um, um, without getting too far off subject, but uh, in the dairy world right now, I mean, there is prices are up because demand is still strong and supply isn't as strong. It's getting a little bit better now, but supply hasn't been as strong uh, for a variety of reasons um, this last year. Uh, yeah, and, and as far as some of the other industries, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have the same challenges. I just don't know exactly how they manage it, you know, because you got to think of things like fresh seafood. Of course, a lot of those things can be frozen, so that helps. But, um, uh, you, you know, you mentioned produce and things like that. Very good. Um, hey, you know what? Uh, we're almost done, I think, talking about Royal Crest. I'd like to switch gears and just talk about our old days together. Sure. You know, but uh, is there anything else about Royal Crest you'd like to share? You know, it's interesting. We've changed our dynamic uh Quite a bit. I mean, I came over here in 2014, and about 85% of our business was home delivery. Now we're about 50% home delivery, which is a totally different go-to-market. Yeah. It's a consumer-driven business, which is something I've had to learn. Because, um, as you know, we both sold in the wholesale arena, and um, that's business to business. And so that's the other 50% of our business now. We've grown uh, that side of it quite a bit, and um, and uh, you know Denver's been very healthy in, uh, in that. In that, uh, you know, we have great restaurants, as you know. I mean, you think back to when uh, we fir- when I first met you back in the what late '80s or whatever. Yeah, was. exactly. Uh, I mean, there wasn't even a downtown restaurant. Yes, yeah, uh, you know, steakhouses and barbecue. That was about it. Yeah, exactly, and um, places like. Uh, um, Glendale and in uh, and, and the Hamden Havana area where, where some of all the hot places were. Yeah, there's still some great restaurants down there. But now, of course, uh, the culinary scene in Denver is just in the last 30 years it's just gone crazy. And so we've latched on to that. And in my pre- previous life uh, with uh, Robinson Dairy, um, you know, we did the same thing, and we're you know heavily involved in in the in the you know the, the the food service business, which, like I said, is is done well, and um, we have a variety of uh, 
customers. I mean, very similar to what you probably remember. I mean, we work with hospitals, nursing homes, white tablecloth restaurants. We put milk into the most of the major distributors. In fact, I can't think of anybody that doesn't carry in our product right now. You have the Cisco's and Shamrock's and those types of um, and uh, U.S. Foods, but um, and then schools and uh, those sorts of things. So it's a it's a diverse customer base on the wholesale side, and um, and that's uh, that's helped us grow. And um, that's great. And COVID really helped force a lot of changes, didn't it? Oh boy, yeah. Well, uh, I'll talk about the positive. Or, um, if there's such a thing, um, is our home delivery business. Uh, we were, we, I think we counted up, I know I did, I worked like 19 days in a row trying to keep up with demand because people wanted home delivery, you know, it, it, they wanted the products brought to their house because of everything, you know, this COVID was so new and not, oh, nobody was real quite sure how to handle it, but we know that there was, you know, some lockdowns and those types of things. So, yeah, that was... Uh, a good shot in the arm for our business. Um, not the way you really want to, you want to get it, but you no, know, but, 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 you know, it's kind of reading the tea leaves and taking advantage of, uh, of the situation. Yeah, it, uh, it was explosive and, and we weren't alone. A lot of home delivery businesses of all kinds, um, did real well. I mean, you know, we were able to grow their business and in a way it's, it's filling a need, you know, filling sure. that's what people wanted. And, uh, and, uh, so, that really changed. Of course, the wholesale business hit the skids for about two or three months. <laughs> sure. But uh, eventually that, that bounced back. Yeah. Very good. Hey, listen, we're just about out of time here, but let me share this quick anecdote with you. I was All doing right. a charity event for 450 people back in September. Uh, we don't waste, uh, fill a plate for hunger. 450 guests, uh, five restaurants providing the food. I had 50 student volunteers there. And all of a sudden they said, well, we have other volunteers coming in from Casa Bonita. I said, Casa Bonita, they're not even open. <laughs> but what the current owners did, they went out and they found all the old employees. And they said, we want you to come back. And wow. so basically what they've done is they've hired them to keep them on the payroll. And they go around and they, they give their labor to charity events throughout town. So... I'm getting to meet everybody, and I'm looking at the one guy, and it's Jim, the purchasing manager from 1993. I couldn't believe it. And I said, I remember Jim. I know, because I took that account from you, and I said, uh, I said, you, and I told, I said, you're Jim. He said, and you're Jackson. So it was just a fun, fun time. But, you know, um, hold on to your memories, because memories are great, aren't they? Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm getting so many of them, I, I don't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Scott, thank you so much for uh, uh, taking the time out of your busy day, especially with the holidays, uh, to come in and join us on the food chat. And uh, I wish you well and happy, happy holidays to you and your family. Likewise. Anytime, my friend. All right. Thank you very much, Scott. Bye-bye. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jackson. You Bye. bet. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Food Chat this week. Today's show is brought to you by Ranch Fresh Meats. At Ranch Fresh Meats, we found the best quality bison, beef, chicken, pork, and more. And you can get it all in one box from one locally owned Colorado company. Ranch Fresh Meats has some great gift boxes put together for the gourmet meat lover in your family. 
steak boxes, bacon lover boxes, and assorted gift boxes to fit every budget. Go to ranchfreshmeats.com. And while you're there, sign up for the weekly newsletter and a chance to win a free case of meat every week. Ranchfreshmeats.com. And a daughter, they gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.